0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Yeah, you may be seated. Death is defeated. That's why we can have hope. We can have hope in this dark world stained with sin, stained with death, sickness, disease, violence, hate, immorality of every sort. We can have hope because death is defeated, meaning Jesus died for us. He was placed in a tomb, and he ain't there no more. He is up in the heavenlies, what we're going to talk about today. And honestly, I know know it's kind of cheesy, but I can't. Wait. And I tell you what, when I was younger, I had a relationship with Jesus, but I tell you what, I was twisted with fears about what was to come when Jesus would come and return and we would go to heaven. I was so afraid. I would even hear what sounded like a trumpet and I would run from my room. <laughs> because I <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. And maybe maybe some of you have stories like that as well. But I tell you what, as I have learned and grown in my relationship with King Jesus. Nothing, nothing. Nothing on this earth that I will ever experience, even my incredible family which I love so much and I pray that they would be there with me, nothing will compare to the glory that we are going to experience in the presence of Jesus. It's going to be amazing. And so I can't wait. And you know in our culture, um we can play with this phrase a lot because this phrase can mean different things, and it stirs different emotions in you, does it not? Kids, parents, well, let's start with parents. Parents, I can't wait for school to start, get my kids out of the house. And kids, I can't wait until it's over, until school ends. Well, kids, I'm sorry, tough luck. You've got, what, quite a few months, so you're going to be waiting for a long time, right? How many of you, it's like, I can't wait till my family out of town can just come and visit and stay with us, and many of you are, I can't wait for them to leave. <laughs> Don't scream too loud, this is on live stream. <laughs> you know, kids, if you're out here or if you're watching, I, I, my favorite time of the year is Christmas. Do you realize, everyone, it's four months away? Yeah, you better start shopping. Um... No, uh, I can't wait till Christmas. Kids get so giddy. And I remember from my past, uh, my parents still make fun of me. My brother makes fun of me. Um, when we, Christmas Eve, we'd have all our gifts underneath the tree. And we had this tradition where we would go about 20 minutes away. And we would go and, and look at all these Christmas direct, uh, decorations. And we would love it and stuff. But I would cry every time we had to leave because I thought someone was going to come and steal our gifts and, or Jesus was going to return, or our house was going to burn down. And so I had a great childhood, by the way. Um, But I couldn't wait till Christmas, and that is all good, and Christmas is awesome, and it's so much fun, and it, it really is a foundational celebration of the Christian faith that God didn't give up on us. He came for us, and it's wonderful, and it's great, but I can't wait Ladies, I know many of you, many of you, since you were a little girl, since you could remember, you couldn't wait to get married. You couldn't wait to walk down the aisle in that white dress and, that, and be the bride and, and, and join hands and join hearts with the love of your life. Boys, men, you, when you, you probably remember when you were a little boy, you couldn't wait till the honeymoon. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real, shall we? And speaking of honeymoon, many of us can't wait for kids. We can't wait for kids. We can't wait for them to dress themselves. We can't wait for them to feed themselves. We can't wait for them. Amen. We can't wait for them to say more words than dad 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 da mama, mama we can't wait for them to talk for themselves we can't wait for them to get to high school we can't wait for them to leave the house and become an adult we can't wait for them to get married and give us grandbabies we can't wait and all these things are awesome this, these are blessings that god has given us that he wants us to anticipate that he wants us to get excited for and say i can't wait and maybe of you, maybe your excitement, maybe your, your, your um, anticipation for the future matches one of these pictures. Maybe not. Maybe you have your own emoji, and that's fine. But here's the thing. All these things are great, but let's just be honest. All of them are temporal. Except relationships. I understand the legacy that we leave that goes on and on and on. But all those are temporal. You're not going to take them with you. And yet, what we see, if we were honest and we looked in the mirror, we'd see a life, I know for me, I see a life, Phil Nelson, consumed in anticipation and excitement for the things that will fade. Wow. And that, my friends, is the curse of the fall that we all experience. The whole foundation underneath the center of sin is we decided to create the rules. We decided to say what was good and what was evil. Satan convinced us that God didn't have the ultimate authority and that we weren't created in the image of God like we were. And so sin creates this anticipation and excitement For the things of man here on earth that will not go with you into eternity. I believe that one of Satan's biggest accomplishments, and I am not giving him kudos. I am not giving him credit. But let's just be real. Satan is winning some of the battle that has already been won by Jesus. But what he's doing is he is convincing men and women who have accepted Jesus as their Savior, want to live for him, want to passionately live for him, and want to be with him in heaven. But they have no desire to go to heaven because Satan has twisted their eyes, blinded their faith to see what heaven is truly about. It's because if we, friends, really got a picture, a glimpse of the glorious Savior and the Father over all on his throne in glory and the paradise that we are going to experience with him forevermore, our lives would change. The way you prioritize things in your life will change. What you prioritize in your life will change. What you get excited about and giddy about, and causes you to stand up and lift your hands wherever you're at? Friends, it's not going to compare to what is waiting for us. And we all need to realize that with every breath that we take, all of us, we are one breath closer to closing our eyes and taking our last physical breath with our physical lungs. It's just reality. And the reality is it is a result of the curse of sin that all of us, unless Jesus comes back before we take our last breath, which is possible, we will all say goodbye to this earth as we know it, and we will enter into what's considered the afterlife the next life, eternity with God. And we have to get really real with ourselves of what we're living for. What are we living for? And so this is an important series in the life of a believer because I don't know about you, but for so many years, I avoided the book of Revelation like the plague. It's because I didn't understand it. It was spooky. It was creepy. It was confusing. I didn't understand what they were saying about all these beings and creatures with like 20,000 eyes and wings like helicopters and all this stuff. And I just didn't understand the doom and the gloom that was coming. I couldn't, I couldn't make sense of it. And you know what? So many Christians can't make sense of it. And that is where Satan is winning. Because if we start to make sense of the book of mystery, the book of Revelation if we start to understand what's awaiting those who believe in Jesus, oh, man, we are going to get absolutely stoked about King Jesus coming and splitting the eastern sky and going with his presence. And so the whole focus of Revelation is this. If we can understand, if you could put that up there, Zach, if we can understand and begin to grasp the heartbeat of revelation the book of revelation our hearts will begin beating for the one for the things of heaven that are to come if we can begin to grasp and understand the heartbeat of revelation our hearts will begin beating for the things of heaven that are to come our perspective in this life the lenses that we wear will be through the lens of forever the forever life with Jesus, we will live each day with greater and greater anticipation and excitement for the things to come. That's what this can do when our eyes begin to be opened to the heavenly, glorious forever with Jesus for those who have received Jesus on this earth as their personal Lord and Savior. So today we're going to look as Daniel said in the beginning here we're going to look at revelation 4 so i would love for all of you to pull out your bible whether it's the hard copy or on your phone i really want you to really engage in chapter 4 because we're going to read through this we're not i don't believe we're going to go to any other scripture unless the lord leads us there but revelation chapter 4 there are hard copy Uh, ESV Bibles in the flaps in front of you, go ahead and pull that out. This one is actually easy to find because it's the last book of the Bible. So you can go to the last book, and you should be able to land on Revelation. Please go there. And as you go there, I just want to give us our, our goal for today. Our goal for today in Revelation 4, and we may get to a little bit of Revelation 5, Lord willing. Revelation 4, Revelation 5. Today, this is our goal. We want to understand our heavenly worship to come. When we are caught up in glory and we arrive into the holy place where God Almighty is, we want to, un- our understanding of our heavenly worship to come will fuel and drive. How we worship here and now. Worship, simply put, is our response of worth and value back to the only one who is worthy of anything we could ever give. It's our response to the goodness, the glory, the mercy of God. It's our response. What we make most important is our response to what we value. Would you read this with me? Our understanding, ready, go. Our understanding of our heavenly worship to come will fuel and drive how we worship here and now. Let's do it one more time, join us. Our understanding of our heavenly worship to come will fuel and drive how we worship here and now. So let's dive in to Revelation 4. Revelation 4, I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, and uh, the ESV will be on there. Now, before I read the first verse, I want to help you with something that truly has helped me read the Bible, especially the book of Revelation. What we need to understand is the book of Revelation obviously was given to John the Beloved, the Apostle Paul, as he was exiled for his faith on the island of Patmos, and he had two visions, two where he was caught up and he saw Jesus, he saw the angels, and he was given instructions to write these things down for the church there and for the church now and for the church to come before this earth becomes new when Jesus returns. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing sometimes... A metaphor, sometimes symbols, something symbolic, something that's probably not necessarily reality, but it's leading to a realistic point of heaven. That's why Revelation sometimes is very weird. It looks crazy. It it looks even crazier to me than Shakespeare. And so we got to understand that Revelation is all about symbols, it is all about symbols. Because if we just read this and jump over the meaning or the significance of the symbols, we are going to miss it. And if we miss the significance of revelation, we are not going to anticipate and get excited for what is to come. And if we don't anticipate and get excited for what is to come, we're not going to worship. And if we're not going to worship, the kingdom of God's not going to be advanced. I'm done. And so we see in Revelation 1, I'm gonna, let's go back real quick to that slide. In Revelation 1, Zach, if you don't mind, it says this this is the revelation from Jesus Christ. This is the very first verse of the book of Revelation, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John. Do you know what this is saying in the Greek, the original text? It's saying this was sent and signified. What this means is this was sent and given in symbols. And there's four explanations to why revelation is given in symbols. Number one is preservation. We have to understand that the symbols, other than language, symbols withstand the test of time. Symbols supersede scripture, or not scripture, excuse me, time and language. Scripture in symbols speaks to every culture and every generation. So the symbols in Revelation is preserved through time and through culture. Number two, symbols is about Emotion. Symbols is about emotion. Let, let me give you an example. What it means is symbols stir something within you. Take the letter M, for goodness sakes. It's just a letter. Make it gold and three arches. Now you have a symbol and many of you are getting ready to get up to go get a sausage McMuffin. Because you're hungry now. And you know you can go there and get food quick. Most McDonald's anyways. Get food quick. I'm not saying Blanchester's great. Just Milford. But you take that M, make it blue and yellow. See? And then what's even best out of all of it is you flip it upside down, turn it red, and you have God's gift to man, Wisconsin Badgers. (laughs) Symbols supersede culture and time and language. And so we need to understand that Revelation, the mysteries of heaven and the things to come are in symbols, so we need to understand what these symbols are. So it stirs emotion. Third, it's an orientation, meaning over 404 verses in Revelation 300 of them have references to the Old Testament. 300 out of 404 verses are in reference to the Old Testament. So the people reading this in John's day knew exactly what these symbols meant when they were grounded in the Old Testament practices, the law and the structure that God gave them to live by so that they would be blessed by God. And so we not being necessarily a Jewish audience rooted and grounded in Old Testament theory, we need to understand what that means to them. So we have preservation, symbols out last time, and culture, we have emotion, they stir up emotion as we just experienced. Orientation is it has an Old Testament reference, so we need to understand that foundation. And lastly, it's a protection Because what we need to understand is when John was writing this, the Christians were being persecuted by the Romans. They were being killed for their faith, and the Romans wanted to stamp out the name of Jesus Christ and the church that represented it forevermore. And so what these symbols did is it was almost like a code. It was almost like a code to the Romans because the Romans had no clue about the Old Testament symbols. They didn't know, and so these these Christians could find hope and assurance for for Christ coming and ruling and reigning and they they could get excited and encouraged and the Romans had no clue. Today, if we don't have eyes of the Spirit to understand what is in Revelation, we are not going to understand what is to come and if we don't understand what is to come, we can't be prepared for what is to come. We can't anticipate and get excited for what is to come. So there's preservation here. It outlasts time. There's there's orientation, and it stirs emotion. Excuse me, second. And then orientation is the Old Testament reference, and then protection. And that is why revelation can be difficult, but we need to ask the Lord even right now to give us eyes to see. Revelations 3.13 says anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what God is saying. So Father, right now we just come into your presence boldly only because of what the blood of Jesus has done for us. It's made us children, heirs to your throne. And we have authority that comes from heaven. We have blessing and favor that comes from heaven. And most importantly, Holy Spirit that is living inside of these human temples. God, would you open our eyes to your truth. To what you're saying for us, our families. And for the church today and those to come. King Jesus, have your way. Come quickly, Lord. And be glorified in this time. Father, change anything that is not orchestrated or designed from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our understanding of heavenly worship will fuel and drive our excitement and our anticipation for the things to come. Are you with me? Our understanding of our heavenly worship will fuel And drive our anticipation, our priorities, and our excitement here and now. And it will define, determine, and drive how you worship God now. Want more worship in your life? Understand heavenly worship, it will transform you. Let's read. And I'm going to stop and go because I want us to understand everything that is happening here. So just follow me, take notes, and you know what? If you don't have a Bible, take the one that's provided to you and keep it. All right. After this, I looked. So this is the second vision that John is having. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me, like a trumpet, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So stop there. What is going on here? He starts with after this. So we need to understand what is after this. It's after chapter 1, which John gets a vision of all that is to come. Then it's also after the now, the present of the readers at that time, it is the, chapter 2 and 3, the letters to the churches, Jesus talking to the churches before the rest of the things of the future are to come. And then there's another phase which we enter in chapter 4 all the way to the end of the book. And that is the things to come after Jesus takes all those things who followed him and loved him and were changed by him here on earth, living and dead to go be with him. So this right here, what we're seeing in four, is after that. Is after that. We need to understand that, whether you call it the rapture. But w- what's incredible to me is as I read that first verse, how John is being caught up into heaven is exactly how we're going to get caught up in heaven. He's explaining the rapture. He's explaining how God is going to quickly grab him and pull him out. And he calls him up in a voice like a trumpet. And what does he say? Come up here. I believe that's one of the first things I'm going to hear. It's Phil, welcome. Come up here. And we're going to see what that here is. So after this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. This is the same door, by the way. When we enter, this is the same door that Jesus is going to go out on the white horse, and we're going to go with him. And he's going to bring destruction and everything right. It's the same door, which is pretty awesome. And I heard him speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this the rapture. At once, I was in the spirit. There's that term, quickly caught up or grabbed. And behold, the throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and some translations say Sardis. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of of an emerald, around the throne. You see the main word coming up? It's mentioned 13 times just in this passage. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 uh Excuse me, 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass-like crystal. So let's go back. First off, the dominant feature of heaven, the most glorious feature of heaven. The very first thing we are going to be captured by when we walk into heaven is not Aunt Bessie. It is not even the loved ones that came before you and went before you, now Don't get me wrong. It's going to be a glorious reunion for those who have accepted Christ and lived for Christ and were changed by Christ here on earth. It's going to be a glorious reunion. But that's not the first thing that's going to capture us. It is the throne. It is going to be the very first thing. You won't be able to look at anything else. But here's the thing. The throne doesn't make the throne. The one sitting in the throne is what makes the throne and it's God almighty and it talks about these different stones well we look back to the Old Testament reference the high priest that represented the people would go into the most holy place these two stones were the first and the last stone on the breastplate of the high priest and the first stone the first stone sorry, let me go back here. The first stone. What was the first? (coughs) Thank you. Lost my place here. Sorry. Jasper. Thank you. Jasper is related to as a diamond, as a diamond in our day. Some of you, like my wife, doesn't really care about the value of diamonds, which is great for me. It's (laughs) awesome. But Diamonds are valued based on their purity. Diamonds are valued based on their purity. And what it's saying is God is all pure. There is no blemish. There's no scratches. There's no shadows. He is completely pure. And the stone uh, of Carnelian, uh, Carnelian, but also Sardis, why it was named Sardis, is it was a stone found in Sardis where Paul was from, and it was, it was just dark red. And scholars say it could mean two things, primarily two things. One is red um, represents, so remember, it's symbols. Red represents life. And so it may be referring to God is alive. God is living. God is active. And he is on the throne. It could also mean the redemption the, the redemptive act of Jesus by his blood is the only way that we will ever see the throne. It will ever have relationship forevermore with Jesus. So that are, that's the two stones. Then you have the rainbow. Rainbow is a symbol of many things in these days. But from the Bible, it's a symbol of God's promise that he will never destroy the earth again. It's God's promise. What this rainbow, this green rainbow represents is God's mercy. A lot of us ask, how could a loving God do this and bring destruction upon sin in this world? No, 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 we need to understand. God doesn't tolerate sin, and he can't have sin in his presence. But he is slow to anger, patient Waiting for everyone to have the chance to repent and turn to him. That's very patient. Thousands and thousands of years has gone by and God is still holding out his anger. He's holding back his anger, shall I say. He's patient. He's slow. He's giving everyone a chance to accept the goodness, the mercy that he has. Around the throne, each side of the throne, we had four living creatures full of eyes. What it's saying is these creatures are probably angels, and it's saying they're full of eyes. They can see front, side, back. They can see all things. They can see all things. The first living creature, like a lion, what is that? Strong, right? Brave. Brave. The second living creature, like an ox, that's a serving creature because in their day, ox was the main animal that served, that really um, drove the plow, that served humankind. Then we have the face of a man, and then we have the fourth living creature, like an eagle could soar, and all these creatures, these four living creatures with six wings, almost like these supernatural helicopters. Right? What does that say? Well, they can go up, they can go down, they can go to the right, and they can go to the left. So, what is this saying? This is saying that God has angels that are doing the work for him, that are worshiping him, but also are going to carry out his work. And then you see around the throne on each side the four living creatures. And then you, um, if you go back, uh, forgive me, to verse uh, five, uh, I skipped over that which is torches of fire, which are seven spirits of God. These are, again, creatures, angels, that are going to carry out God's work. So we see the majesty, the glory, the righteousness, the purity, the living God sitting on his throne. And the 24 elders probably represent the leaders of the church, Old Testament and New. They're the leaders of the tribes. They're the leaders of the church. They're the leaders of worship, and what they're going to do is they're gonna take their crowns, and these crowns represent that they overcame something. If we fast forward, which Dennis is going to get to in a couple weeks, we see that we are going to overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I believe that's what these crowns signify that we have overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And they're going to take these things and they're going to lay them down and they're going to say, let's see in verse eight, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever The living creatures gave glory and honor and uh, thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you. Our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. What we have to understand is the creator of all things is over all. He is pure, he is holy, he is righteous and he is worthy of our praise. And when we get a glimpse Of God's sovereignty and God's righteousness and God's rule, all of His creation will begin to respond, and that is called worship. How do you respond to the God of heaven, glorious, great, and mighty? Absolutely pure, no flaw within him. He's living and he purchased you by sending his son to die for you. How do you respond to God's presence? Just think on that for a minute. What is worship? Well, we said it's a response, right? Worship is this. Worship is our adoration. It is the worth and the glory and the honor that we give to the thing that is most important to us. That is worship. And you see, if we don't understand how good and holy and righteous and mighty and overall that our God is, it's gonna be very easy to put other things in front of him and give our worship to those things that are temporal. But when we get a glimpse of who God really is, that's when things begin to change. So I want to ask you something. Do you still see a problem in this heavenly picture that we just read in chapter 4? Because I do there ain't no hope for me there ain't no hope for me to get to heaven and to see the throne of god and the righteousness and the and and the sovereignty and the purity of him because i have sin god will never dwell in the presence of sin that's why we look at the old testament they had to build a structure they had to build a tabernacle they had to put a curtain to separate god's holy presence from man why we were flawed We're cursed. All of us are cursed with sin. We will not be able to enter the presence of God in our sin. And that's why I'm so glad Revelation doesn't stop on chapter (laughs) 4. Read chapter 5 with me. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll it was a scroll wit- written within and on the back sealed with seven seals all this is is when very important documents back in their day they were they they were written and then they'd roll it and then they seal it then they would write some more and then they'd roll it and then they seal it roll it and seal it and roll it and seal it so that this was really this was really um they didn't have um um, secure boxes or, or, or safes or anything like that. So, this is their way to secure a very important document. So, God has a very important document in heaven, and that document is probably going to be the document that we, uh, the scholars think, that Daniel wrote about the end times. And this is kept, but the problem is no one's there to open it, and if they don't open it, it's not going to happen meaning god's plan cannot be fulfilled because we have sin in our lives for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god we've got a problem but god's got a solution and i'm so thankful for it he says this and i saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals oh no what do we do we're in a dilemma and no one in heaven or earth uh, or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it and be- I began to weep no hope there's no hope because of sin that's what sin does by the way steals your hope <clears throat> there's no hope and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it and one of the elders said weep no more behold the lion the lion of Judah, the root of David has come. And there's so much symbols and so much meaning that we can't get in today. But to understand these names that represent Jesus are unbelievable. So that he can open the scroll and it's seven seals. And let's go down to verse nine. Because he is worthy to open the seal, they sing a new song. By the way, when we get to heaven, the angels aren't going to even know the song that we get to sing. Right. We get a new song to sing. Worthy, and it goes like this. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, Jesus. And your blood, by your blood, you rescued and ransomed you and me from every tribe, and language, and people, and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then, then, then just try to, try to be in this vision as John sees this. And then I looked. And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, just take stadium after stadium after stadium after stadium after stadium of people all shouting and bowing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth And wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, the Messiah, the Yeshua, the sacrificial lamb, all blessing and honor and glory and might forever ever that is what's taking place now and when we all get caught up around the throne of this glorious God day and night not that we're just going to be bowing that sounds boring to me it's we're going to be living from one moment to the next of absolutely I can't even think of an earthly word to translate the glory, the pleasure, the delight that we're going to face and we're going to see. And our response from moment to moment is, God, I love you. You are so amazing. Glory and honor. And I adore Adore you, For you created me And by you and for you All things exist And you hold all things together Do you understand That the Lamb of God came And died for you So that we could say Because he lives I can face tomorrow Because he lives All fear is gone Sing it if you know it Because I know He holds my future and life is worth the living just because that is why we live and breathe. That is why we can have abundant life now and with anticipation and excitement for what is to come. My prayer is that that would drive you, that would fuel you, to rearrange your priorities, to rearrange what it is you can't wait for. Because whether we like it or not, or whether we're planned for it or not, it's coming to a town near you, to a heart towards you. And Jesus stands, even now, at the door of your spirit, the door of your heart. And he's, actually, it's probably not that loud. He's gentle. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. He never has, and he never will. And whoever opens their heart, the door of their life to Jesus will one day walk through the heavenly door into the throne room. The door of our hearts. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the only one that you can enter to get to the kingdom of heaven. And you know, for me this week, can I just be honest? I've had a tough couple months. Been going through some my own battles, been going through some health things and... But it's through that where the risen Savior has brought such refreshment and hope for what I can experience here and now, but what is to come. Amen. You know, there's a song many of you don't know that I'm a Southern Gospel guru. <laughs> and uh, I was able to see... Um, the Gaithers this last week. Some of you are like, who's that? Yeah, don't worry about it. But this song has been going through my head, and I just... I want to share it with you. And why I do is because some of you just... You're really not sure what's going to happen when you leave this earth. And you're questioning, even now, how do I know for sure? How do I know that I will... Be in heaven. Friends, it's about who you know. It's not about what you know or where you know you're going. It's who you know. And if it's who you know that is sitting on the throne and the lamb beside it that paid your price and became your savior, you can say, yes, oh, yes. I'm a child of the king. I love this part. His royal blood now flows in my veins. Oh, once I was wretched and poor. Now I can sing. Praise God. Praise God. I'm a child of the king. That's how you know is when his royal blood flows through your veins. You can start to anticipate and get excited for the things to come. Let's pray. Worship team. Father in heaven, thank you. I worship you. I adore you. There is no one higher or above you You are in all. You created all. You are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You orchestrate everything. You drive and fuel my every breath. You know our beginning. You know our end. And you have waited so patiently. You have given us chance after chance after chance and will continue till our very last breath to offer hope through the goodness of Jesus Christ. And for those of you who've never received that incredible gift, all you have to do is confess that you are a sinner. You have been cursed by sin. And we accept Jesus, our Savior, and the blood that he shed on the cross that covers all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we make him Lord of our lives. We die to our sinful nature, and we rise anew in our heavenly image knowing that when we leave this earth we will exchange our earthly body for heavenly bodies we will be perfect like you are perfect God we will see in full all that you have designed and made we don't see that right now we can't see that because of our brokenness and the curse over our eyes but we see you Jesus and we welcome you Right now, we just want to worship you because nothing else matters right now. Right now, nothing else matters but you, God. And We worship you. Not for anything we could give you. Not a need of yours that we could ever meet, but we worship you because of the need that you met through your son. Jesus in our lives we worship you in gratitude and thanks and awe in Jesus name we pray amen I for worship to the if you want to stand stand, if you want to sit sit, if you want to come and just bow do that, if you want to raise your hands and surrender and praise do that If you don't want to do that, don't do that. But whatever you do, would you just engage for a moment with the glory and the goodness and the mercy of God in your life? Let's worship. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.